0: The feedback from our episode on black and brown perspectives on crypto was one of the strongest ever. And we heard from people from diverse backgrounds from Paris to Washington, D.C. on how the episode struck a nerve and helped push the conversation in ways few had heard before, which, of course, is just what we wanted to hear back at FinTechBeat. And one of the participants, Dante Desparte, the chief strategy officer at Circle, the payments platform supporting the stablecoin USDC, hasn't rested on his laurels. And he's back with us to not just talk theory, but practice. You see, Circle just did something that's pretty rare in the ecosystem. It's backing up its rhetoric about supporting inclusion to announce a string of initiatives squarely designed to support underrepresented communities from black banks and HBCUs, to women and minority entrepreneurs. Now, we've always taken a keen interest in doing well by doing good, and the announcement just fascinated me. So I asked Dante to return to the show in an encore and to walk us through just what Circle is doing and how it fits into the larger conversation on crypto and inclusion. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and raw with the Brooklyn boys So for one last time, I need y'all to raw.
1: Dante, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be back
0: and, and to pull a repeat offense with you on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean I, I've got to say, you know, uh, you have truly not been resting on your laurels here. Um, uh, and, and, and Circle, as a company, has made some really interesting announcements, uh, especially in this domain of financial inclusion. That's caught the eye of lots of news media, from the Financial Times to obviously uh, the New York Times and beyond. but but maybe you can just sort of walk the audience through that maybe hasn't seen this or is not quite as caught up on the company. Um just what you're doing uh, when it comes to uh, financial inclusion?
1: yeah. well, well, first of all, as a leader, you know my disposition and the good news is I share this with the other senior leaders at Circle. Is you should never wait to be asked to do the right thing, and I think we set a pretty high bar in the particular episode that you referenced. You know, on the black and brown sort of movement and voice in the blockchain and fintech ecosystem, and in that in that great conversation we had, um, I mentioned you know watch this space that we were working on certain projects, and so the manifestation of that, the end of the beginning, to quote Winston Churchill, is this initiative we announced last week called Circle Impact. And so there are four pillars to that initiative, and each of them is driving at improving financial inclusion and improving outcomes. We have a shot with fintech and the future of payments and banking to be more inclusive than the past, but we're not going to do it unless we're big. So there are four pillars as a part of this initiative. The first is to allocate a share of USDC reserves, which today are cash and short-term treasuries, the safest assets you can get to back a stablecoin. We want to allocate a share of USDC reserves accruing to billions of dollars over time to minority depository institutions and community banks. Um, This is an initiative that we've just announced. Of course, the diligence process for allocating these reserves has to improve the risk management standards uh, for the overall ecosystem. But we think if we strengthen the balance sheets of these very institutions, we will strengthen those institutions and their communities. Uh, So that's pillar one. And we think that there's a lot of opportunities there. We look very much forward to working with public-private partnerships, working with the
0: OCC and Project REACH and other initiatives. You know, that's just uh, worth highlighting since the two topics aren't usually in the same conversation, much less the same sentence. You're talking about uh, moving resources, obviously, to MDIs, these minority depository institutions and community banks. Which just for our audience, you know, tend to serve really critical roles in their communities because they provide funding for people seeking to uh, purchase often their first homes or to uh, provide startup capital for small businesses um, or offer even emergency support for lots of people uh, locally facing unexpected liquidity crunches. So you're you're really targeting uh, let's let's call it a a high impact area uh, with this particular move. Um, So what's the second leg of your program?
1: Pillar two is for the future of financial services and payments to be more inclusive than the past. We cannot allow for a divide on literacy technical literacy and financial literacy to widen the gap where technology could otherwise solve it. So we're embarking on what I call digital financial literacy initiatives. We want to do that in partnership with HBCUs as one organization, one, one custodian or, or stakeholder to this effort, but also put circle subject matter experts on the stage, as it were, um, to start really driving forward basic understanding of what is a good digital wallet, what's a stablecoin, just make sure that, that all of these terms of art that we use pretty liberally are broadly understood, but also made tangible. Putting digital wallets in the hands of people, and in the hands of communities that can be great beneficiaries and contributors and developers of this open, open Internet of value. We want to make sure that we solve for that over a long range. The second pillar, sorry, the third pillar is Circle operates a company called SeedInvest. It's one of the leading equity crowdfunding companies in the United States. We have powered um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars mobilized to entrepreneurs, lowering both the barriers of entry for investors and the barriers of opportunity for, for entrepreneurs. But we think we could be much more deliberate in terms of developing campaigns using the SeedInvest platform and equity crowdfunding on the internet to improve outcomes for women entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of color, and other underrepresented groups across the country. We want them to raise their hands. We want to see them. We want to to use that that platform as a powerful driver of of equity, literally and figuratively, uh, in terms of entrepreneurship across the country. And then finally, an area very close to home is leveraging faster payments using stablecoins and blockchain-based networks for humanitarian and relief and disaster response, domestically and around the world. So this, too, is an area of great opportunity. All four pillars are part of Circle Impact. We aim to measure them over time. We want them to move billions of
0: dollars. And then with it, you know, raise all ships, if you will. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you've chosen four very distinct areas. I mean, from MDIs all the way to, to crowdfunding. Um, how did you end up on those four topics? I mean, what, was, what were the drivers in terms of determining that those were the four areas that, that you wanted to sort of weigh in on? That, that's a great question, Chris. And
1: so when you look at Circle's mission statement, which is to raise global economic prosperity through the frictionless exchange of financial value, it's an it's a on the one hand, a very aspirational statement. But on the other hand, it makes for absolute clarity of purpose when it comes to driving financial inclusion, financial innovation, and protecting financial integrity. Three pillars that have personally always mattered to me. But then the best way to move that needle is to say, How do we do it in a manner that also advances American economic competitiveness and also acknowledges that as a company with employees across 35 countries, sorry, 35 states and 11 countries and expanding that perimeter of our business, supporting an always-on global economy creates an opportunity for us to do something really, really meaningful here in the United States as well. And I think the idea of distributing a share of USDC reserves, as we've outlined in this initiative, hopefully one day it includes a bank and a financial institution in every state and every U.S. territory. That, to me, harkens deeply to the concepts of distribution and decentralization in the blockchain ecosystem. It's a patently good risk management decision, so there's no single point of failure. And then, frankly, as I said before, it's a pathway of really demonstrating that, that these open technologies and the ability to spur digital transformation of our banking system, including often underrepresented banks, is broadly good for those communities, broadly good for those banks. And it's not just about being a beneficiary on the receiving end. It's ultimately also about being a contributor and learning this journey. One of the ironies of banking is that if every bank in America has to be as well-endowed and as cyber secure as JP Morgan, then a lot of banks in America are in trouble because the failure of any one bank erodes confidence in banking. And so we think we have an opportunity through this program to, you know, again, spur innovation, spur adoption, strengthen communities, pillar one. And, and it's just meaningful. Considering the, the reserves for USDC are incredibly conservative, uh, we think it's just a meaningful program to initiate.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and, and I suppose um, the very fact that you're doing this, um, and this, I guess, ties over to the second issue, the, the digital financial literacy I- issue, right? It, it's a learning experience. I mean, really, regardless as to the size of a financial institution, you know, the, virtually every financial institution, um, big and small, they're, they're trying to learn as much as they can about um, new financial technologies and, and crypto is certainly no exception. Um, uh, and, and that's probably why you've seen so much activity even recently um, with, with some of the, the banking regulators. Um, you know w- when you move to that second issue of financial literacy, um, uh, you know do you, do you see connections between it and that first pillar?
1: No question. I mean, my hope, genuinely speaking, is that I think we're actually at a massive inflection point in this kind of emerging Internet of Value. We have a choice as a society to enshrine our principles, our values in the design of this Internet of Value as it is emerging, or we have a choice to cede that future to potentially hostile nations and potentially opaque and complex actors on the Internet. And so, you know, the, the choice is pretty stark in my mind, and, and I completely see the two go hand in hand, that where you put money and the, the proverbial skin in the game uh, also signals where you ought to invest in, in, in bridging kind of the intellectual capital sort of uh, gap that we also have to face in this country. That That, you know, over the last decade, digital assets and crypto assets have been the best performing emerging asset class. And then armed with nothing more than a digital wallet and an internet-connected mobile phone, this could be a powerful wealth creation opportunity. But not if you're subjected to internet funny money, not if you're subjected to not really understanding what you're investing in. And so we think we have an opportunity as a company, uh, and frankly, an obligation as a company, to help drive digital financial literacy. This is on both ends of the spectrum uh, as as consumers, businesses, retails, but also across the regulatory spectrum, the policy spectrum, and others,
0: I find that really interesting for a number of, of reasons. I mean, personally, I found uh, you know uh, like like you, I spend a lot of my time either talking um, to to uh, regulators or policymakers or whoever really wants to know about stuff. I suppose here in Washington D.C., but also a lot of time, um, you know, I'm getting a lot of calls you know, from high schools, um, from from uh, black fraternities and others, you know, just reaching out with, with cold calls and, and kind of asking, you know, for, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of beginning start or, or a crash course, if one will, in some of the issues that you and I are, are talking about. And there's this, this sense that, you know, you can't let the internet Pass you by twice, you know, and 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 that that ultimately everybody needs to just participate in these larger uh, conversations relating to digital transformation, and, and and those kinds of conversations aren't just taking place uh, uh, on the ground and on Twitter, uh, but the, these are the kinds of conversations that you are also hearing even in in uh, black and brown um, and Asian uh, MDIs and CDFIs who are undergoing some form of digital transformation writ large. And and I think it's really interesting uh, taking this particular approach to these financial institutions at the very same time at which they're thinking very deeply about uh, digital transformation more generally. And and, uh, uh, that's a a conversation that I've been really pleased to take part in, and, and, and it's interesting seeing how your approach could uh, or, or would fit in with the other kinds of conversations taking place with, you know, migrating um, transactions to the cloud, to AI, machine learning, to al- alternative data and credit scoring. You know, like, you know, what then happens when you then add this 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 newest component, and and what does that mean for the overall digital financial literacy in the community? Um, is your focus here, you know, just 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 to make clear, Is it digital financial literacy or, or are you thinking about financial literacy writ writ large?
1: Well, I think you know it's sort of um, you know, it's tangible as much as we could make it tangible. And therefore, like just like the 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 capital allocation and just like the equity crowdfunding platform that I'd mentioned before, this is an all ships rising approach that we're trying to take in which, you know, if you don't, to paraphrase, you know, Jacques Cousteau, right? You could read all the books about marine biology, but unless you jump in the water, you know nothing about the ocean. And I think you could read all the books and attend all the lectures. And one of the very powerful attributes of the blockchain ecosystem and the fintech wave we're talking about is that it is open source and that, you know, to the extent you could put this in your hands to the extent you could use a, a stablecoin like USDC for your first payment, and you could see the art of the possible. Then you start to really unlock ideas. I don't want people merely to be beneficiaries on the, on the receiving end, or, nor observers. I think it's really important that, that people are developers and that banks see themselves building on these APIs and they see themselves building on this technology stack. The infrastructure that we're building on is public. And so woe to us if we fail to ensure that more people, more banks, more communities know how to build on top of this. So this is literacy at the very basic level, as you would with any other financial sort of service, you know, don't invest more than you can afford to lose and so on. But it's also literacy at the developer level so that you could build and you could envision a future in which, for example, HBCUs have developer guilds. Um, we, we've had some very, very amazing conversations already with a number of HBCUs across the country that already are putting USDC and Circle kind of capabilities and blockchain capabilities in the hands of their students, but they're doing it peripherally. We think we could put fuel on that fire, and you, you could argue for developer guilds that so that banks and communities and, and others know how to build on these public networks, not just be recipients of the services that are riding on them. Um so, so this is multi multifaceted and um you know we we hope again makes a big impact
0: no really uh, i I mean honestly, kudos to you and and to the circle team i mean even you know I'm not going to belabor the point, but even that the crowdfunding angle and this is you're talking to someone who's been sort of i guess involved in the crowdfunding policy conversation in one way or another since since the jobs act but but even there, there was this financial literacy. Um, sort of component to it, and there's really interesting data about sort of who, particularly uh, uh, data relating to to gender, you know, as to crowdfunding and and and, and how uh, crowdfunding stacks up as as an opportunity uh, mechanism for for fundraising vis-a-vis uh, other more traditional um, uh, sources of, of of finance. But but I think that ultimately, you know, w- when you look at the entire sort of array of of announcements, I mean, it's it's a pretty ambitious agenda, as as, as you yeah. yourself said. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you guys you, you guys are, are swinging swinging for the for the uh, fences here. Um, you know, what kind of timeline do you perceive in terms of implementing these sort of big vision um, goals? Yeah, no, th- thank <laughs> thank you for, for
1: that. You're you're right. It is an ambitious agenda. In fact, I mean, anecdotally, uh, bear in mind, Chris, I've been with Circle since April, right? So, I have not yet crossed a calendar year. and and it tells you a lot about the company and the leadership we have in this company. When I came to my CEO, Jeremy Lair, with the vision that we could really produce this multifaceted multi-year initiative around Circle Impact, the only edit he made was to add the words accruing to billions in the initial press release and in the initial blog post. so that so that the commitment from the top of the company, at all levels of the company, across the ecosystem, is let's do this big. Why bother dealing with exponential technology if all you can do is mere tokenization, right? Uh, and so, so we actually think, you know, if the goal is an ambition level that is accruing to billions, um, then then let's go for it. And that that's that's sort of what's driving us for this initiative on the crowdfunding piece of the puzzle. You know, as I'm an entrepreneur myself, and before joining the Libra project once upon a time and then then circle, I started my own company. And as a black man building a business in the insurance market, I know all too well what it means to basically bootstrap a business where because of how you appear and because of your background, you're not credit worthy and you're not equity worthy. So there too, this equity crowdfunding work that we're trying to drive through the Seed Invest platform is super, super personal, super meaningful for all of us. And, you know, our our colleague, Ryan Fite, was one of the core sort of architects of getting the Jobs Act formed. So we we think even on that front, there's just an enormous amount we can do. And and there's no more powerful testament to, I think, very uniquely American ideals than um, the, the power of entrepreneurialism and the power of entrepreneurship. We need it now more than ever to restart the engine of the economy, get people back to work. And the concept of free agency and entrepreneurialism with the internet as a crowdfunding source is a game changer.
0: Yeah, you know w- when you think about these really four very important pillars I mean is is there a, uh, a sort of any pr- priority among them um, or you know the way in which you're listing them out are you gonna go for the MDIs first and then crowdfunding later or is this something that you're um, going to tackle uh, simultaneously
1: yeah so so it's it's a bit again it's evergreen so we don't think there's an end point first uh four circle impact and we hope in the first quarter of next year to make the first announcements of um, capital allocation through community banks and mdis in the country um so so in other words stay tuned you', you we'll, we'll try to make that um you know as public as possible without sort of violating any discretion of the banking partners we're hoping to select but we also think you know it, it, it similarly touches on both public policy questions and regulatory policy questions of you know, can these moves strengthen the balance sheets of those of those financial institutions? And then what does that then do to the opportunities they have, um, you know, in their communities? And the, the sort of model of paying it forward needs more study. But we hope that as early as the first quarter of next year, we'll start to, you know, demonstrate that this is real and that, you know, the money is starting to move. Um, similarly, on on all other Areas, The humanitarian mobilization of corruption-resistant payments. I mean, if you want to create a honeypot of risk, move a pallet of cash to an emerging or developing country. Literally. It's the the honeypot of corruption, bribery, and fraud. I know this intimately. I spent an entire career dealing with humanitarian uh, supply chains and humanitarian interventions. I've only just recently rolled off of FEMA's National Advisory Council, so I can tell you when speed matters most, friction and the current analog banking system stands in the way. And that also applies to insurance. And so the ability to execute real-time, fast payments for disaster relief and humanitarian interventions is urgent. It's a source of domestic national security vulnerability and is a source of global vulnerability. So we want to remove all of the technological excuses for how fast payments can be executed point to point. That too will be collaborative. We want to pull in uh, nonprofit partners, humanitarian partners, and
0: many others. Um, But that initiative has to start now. And and, and we're working on it now. Many of our listeners, I think, when just hearing this conversation, along with those who may have heard our our earlier episode, uh, are surely thinking to themselves, uh, wow, this just sounds Different. I mean, it's it's a different kind of conversation uh, than you often hear um, when when you talk about financial inclusion um, and and even crypto because it's it's just it's a very concrete conversation. Um, it's 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 where you're you're really going out the boundaries of 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 the possible. Um, you, you know. When you either at Circle or either Cir- when you when you talk to your colleagues over at Circle, I mean, why is it that Circle's doing this? I mean, I mean, do, do, are you guys? Do you think you're special? Uh, is is this a, an idea that you're trying to inspire other firms in the space to to emulate, um, or, or is this just something? As you said, you know, specific about you know you uh, and 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 some of your colleagues. That's just driving you in this direction. I mean, I mean, how re- replicable, really? Yeah, um, is is what you're doing? Uh, f- and, and do you expect to see more of it in the space? Well, I hope to see more of it in the space because I think with it
1: comes the opportunity not only to create coalitions of the willing. And I do think there is a general bent towards how can we bend the arc of Moore's law and humanity's favor in this industry. But like all things in life, it requires leadership. And I suppose circle impact is what you get when you appoint the, a, a poor Puerto Rican kid who was the first to get through high school or college as the chief strategy officer. You get an accelerant of what was already in the DNA of this business and already very much in the DNA of the, the CEO and others in the company. You just get a way of accelerating it that is really, really, really meaningful. And I hope more than anything else that we could do this well, but that we shouldn't do it alone. I mean, nothing in life worth doing is worth doing alone. So expect a lot of partnerships, a lot of opportunities um, for Circle not only to mobilize the crypto industry, but also um, academic partners, humanitarian partners, and frankly, regulators and policymakers should help us get this right.
0: Dante, you are always welcome on this show, and and I couldn't uh, agree with you more. I mean, leadership starts at the top, uh, it, no matter really in, in which organization you're talking about, uh, whether or not it be in the academy, whether or not it be in the public sector, whether or not it be in the private sector, and uh, it's it's uh, just a delight uh, to see you uh, 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 really blazing a path, and uh, we wish you the the very best of luck. Thank you, Chris. Always great to be on and looking forward to
1: reporting live sometime in the future on on how this progress is coming along.
0: Too often, opportunities to make a difference are commonly assumed to be associated with your job description and where you work. But everyone, and I mean everyone, has a chance to make a difference. And whether it be government, nonprofit, or even the private sector, no part of society has a monopoly on the ability to do good. And Dante Desparte and his team at Circle are a case in point. Whatever you may think about crypto or stable coins or CBDCs for that matter, in big conversations on financial technology, some things ought to be beyond debate. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer, D-R. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.